Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Broken Shovel Podcast, Homesteading for a Sustainable Future. Uh, we are just Eric and Lucas today. We are talking about global boiling. We've had some technical difficulties and uh, are re-recording this episode. Scheduling has kept Lily uh, in the back seat. Hi, Eric. Hello. So today we are talking about global boiling, which is a new term. Uh, and we'll sort of get into the uh, black and white of it, uh, or well, I guess the gray area of it later. The gray, uh, yes, right the gray now, area. <laughs> but for now, we will get into the black and white of it. Uh, and defining global boiling is a term used to describe the potential consequences of climate change on the Earth's oceans. As the oceans warm, they release more water vapor into the atmosphere. Water vapor is a greenhouse gas, which means that it traps heat in the atmosphere. This leads to further warming, which causes even more water vapor to be released. This positive feedback loop can create oh, my a favorite. vicious cycle. <laughs> can create a vicious cycle that leads to increasingly extreme weather events. Uh, this term was first used by the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres in July of 2023, uh, after scientists confirmed that July was the hottest month on record. Hey! hey. Yes! <laughs> so, uh, there's a lot to, to sort of digest. We've talked about temperature before. But now we're going to, you know, we're going to do our normal thing. We're going to look at the south of the United States and the the heat dome and uh, sort of from there, zoom out. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, you know, global boiling. Yeah. So, yes. Eric, do you want to walk us through what's going on in the south of yeah, the United so States? Yeah, so south of the United States is under yet it's what second third heat dome of the summer uh they uh the last one it lasted uh phoenix had over 31 days at 110 austin had 30 days over 100 degrees which were were basically record lengths of time where the temperature stayed that high and that's essentially what a heat dome is. It's yes, a heat it, wave that goes on on longer. and on. Yes, yes, because it's, uh, it's okay. a ridge of low pressure, so there's low winds, very high high to low clouds, and it just like and just lots of sun, and it basically creates kind of a a lid, and then just the heat gets trapped. It doesn't move, and then it just keeps trapped there. So. How does this relate to global boiling in such a dry area? Well, because we decided we decided we wanted to spite God and build in the <laughs> desert. And now we're surprised that the <laughs> desert's getting hot. <laughs> we told the desert to leave and it's still there. Yeah, and no not only Ugh. that, but it's encroaching. It's encroaching. Okay, explain. Well, because it's getting hotter. I mean, we asked it to leave, and it just keeps getting hotter. Yeah, okay. But it's not spreading. It's, no, it's not spreading. It's just... It's just there, but it's also... It does seem like we are seeing in more of the typically swampy areas of eastern Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, 
They also were under this heat dome and had record temperatures. They actually had it even worse because of the high, so the humidity was so high. They had what called, what was the uh, wet bulb going on, where it is so hot and humid that your body's sweat does you, your body stops sweating. And if you can't sweat, that's your body's way of keeping cool. Right. Yes. So uh, panting isn't going to do it. Uh, so we we. We have seen the NOAA report for July 2023. Um, And, I mean, it becomes pretty uh, undeniable if I can just, like, hit four bullet points here. And we can talk about it after that. Uh, So the warmest July on record was in 2016 when the global average temperature was 1.06 Celsius or 1.0. Nine, 1.9 over the global average, uh, the 20th century average, sorry. Uh, so this year in 2023 <laughs> was 24.2 degrees Celsius or 75.5. Uh, Canada has had its warmest July on record, average temperature of 70.7, and Australia in the southern hemisphere has had an average temperature of 56.6 Fahrenheit or 13.7 Celsius. So I, find the, I, I actually I find that interesting that the, uh, we also, we touched on it, actually I can't say we touched on it, another, in the failed recording, we mentioned that like Australians, <laughs> Australia's got one of its coldest uh, winters on record going on right now. Right, which I, I, I really don't know how this plays out. There are some long-term forecasts coming out, and I'm choosing to ignore them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, winter in New England is potentially going to be very interesting this year. Yay. Like, last year wasn't interesting enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but what this means, things like the heat dome, and uh, uh, Australia... Yep, and you know what we're seeing across the entire planet. Uh, what was that fun thing we wrote down earlier? Glacial lake outburst flooding, flooding. Yes. <laughs> in Juneau, Alaska. Uh, we're seeing today uh, uh, just floods caused by glaciers melting at a rate that no one is prepared for. It's unprecedented uh, this... how fast we're losing the ice. Yeah. Oh, and and. Gosh, I wish I had more numbers about the caps, but we are seeing things that are absolutely, well, terrifying. Yeah, the, uh, uh, they, they, I saw this, the, what, the, the, the little spinny circle thing that they do of like every year of Arctic sea, sea ice layers. And this year yeah. we're like way the frick out here. Oh, out here being... Uh, being like, like lack of lack of ice. Yeah, like the circle's oh. going like... Where the the circle gets bigger and bigger with less ice, right? So more from this report, which is basically caused, uh, you know, uh, why uh, 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 Antonio Guterres is saying what he's saying is that human global warming made July hotter for four out of five people on Earth in July. That's. 81% of the global population sweated through at least one day where climate change had a significant effect on the average daily temperature. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, that's a quote from the AP. I don't have the writer. But yeah. um, 
And for those, for our, for some of our other listeners out there, it's like this is this is not like American scientists are saying this. This is America's problem. No, this is a global problem. We are a drop in the bucket compared to the rest of the world and places like China that is having the record record heat. I, uh, I, uh, what is it? Uh, just completely went off the rails and lost my train of thought. <laughs> I went west to yeah. east, east. So I want, the, and then Europe's got the got rec- record heats. I mean, we're seeing these record heat right. waves everywhere, and then combining that with record storms, right? Which we continue to see here in Yeah, like we're predicted where uh, low, we're going to get predicted an inch with more potentially locally. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, without Lily guiding us through, it really is a mess, right? So, yes. where are we? I mean, this is global boiling, they're calling it. Yep. And I know you have a certain issue with global boiling. I do have a, as a term. It's and... a term, because I, I, I find it too gimmicky. And if we want to turn the hearts of the population we want to turn and get on our side... It can't be gimmicky. We need something to catch them and bring them in. So I really wish like these UN secretaries, or and I hate to say it, the scientists need a PR person to be like, no, people are going to hate that term. They're going to be turned off by it because they're already getting desensitized to the apocalypse we've been hearing about since the 80s that was coming. Right, and there's already the memes floating around of like, well, you know, the frog in the boiling pot uh, just sort of acclimates to the temperature. Oh, but of course, we're talking God, about. A... <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> saw of that. We're talking about an amphibian, uh, not a mammal. But uh... <laughs> yes, but the amphibian is also going to actively try to get out of the boiling water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so okay, so yeah. researchers looked at four thousand seven hundred and eleven cities and found climate change fingerprints in 4,019 of them for July. That's, yeah, that's crazy. So this isn't, yeah. <laughs> this isn't some small thing. This isn't, this isn't big, the big, ah, the big green industry trying to convince us to buy their green technologies. Like, no, this is not that. This is, our planet is on fire. Yes. Uh, and we are expecting to see this continue in August. Yes. It is a cool, wet day here in Vermont where it's we're recording. wicked cool. Like, it's crazy yeah. how cool Allard is. But <laughs> the sea level is visibly rising. Rising, yes. The, the uh, wildfires have not ceased. We have out of control in California. People died today trying to put those fires out. Mm. Two helicopters crashed into each other today trying to deal with wildfires in California. This is... Oh. How do we... I said it already. <laughs> the world's literally on fire. And I, I like the term you used yesterday. It's... uh, Oh, the... Uh, we we are the species was the we are the species that is going to go down in history as oh oh it's the 
the great quote from Kurt Vonnegut, which, oh, I still have. Awesome. Kurt Vonnegut, American author and novelist, uh, absolutely biggest fan. Um, we'll go down in history as the first society that wouldn't save itself because it wasn't cost effective. Okay. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut, 1922 to 2007. Yep. Uh, and, yeah. and, and let's, let's expand I mean, on that. If we're going to oh, talk I, I can, about, I can expand on that just out of what the UN secretary said in his statement when he said global boiling is that the, we, we're going to do baby steps to reduce carbon footprints, to minimize set goals of carbon carbon reductions to reach by 2050 right and it's like no it's too late that's too far gone like we needed this yesterday yeah yesterday we keep saying that and yesterday i said yesterday but the yesterday before that what did i say yesterday uh and i i i I, can we (laughs) I, I hate to sort of shift gears here, but I think it's the right thing to do. But I sent you that video today, and I don't know what network that was. But Juno, Alaska, I believe it was MSNBC. Okay, that reporter literally asked another reporter, "Uh, what is going on?" Like completely flabbergasted, completely confused. And with nothing to say, <laughs> they, they, they were confused by the fact that climate change is real and all it's of here. a sudden, it's within our, our country, within our, the United States of America, it is taking buildings away. And I don't know what that looked like to you, but that looked like an like an apartment complex. Yeah, it looked like uh, a, that, uh, it looked nice like a McMansion to me. A McMansion to me. Right, the house that got swept away, but all around it. Seems oh yeah, those like look like condos. apartments. Yep. Right, and and that's a lot of what we're seeing here in Vermont, in Montpelier. These these catastrophic numbers of people that are losing their homes, and their landlords aren't helping them. Because they're waiting for funding, and not only from yeah, and FEMA, and FEMA's denying a lot of claims because you can't double dip. And people made claims during Irene, and then I mean, it's I hate I hate to just disparage these people, but the state had a program set up to buy out their properties. They had an opportunity to sell their land at market value to the state. And then could move move somewhere else, and they chose not to. They chose to take federal fundings and said, "Nah, it won't happen again." No, 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 it's not that big of a deal. And it's just like I don't. I didn't I, I, know this. Oh yeah, no. Like the state is this. When I said earlier, like the state, the state very much has tried to buy land within the floodplain. So, and it was all with federal funds from after Irene. That they bought up all these lands and like Sharon, we have a moratorium on building in the floodplain because of it. Wow, I did not know that. Yes, yeah, so yeah, people are trying to. I mean, it's, I mean, from FEMA's standpoint, these people are trying to double dip. They got told like you are built in a hazard zone. We're gonna we'll help you this time, but it's not gonna happen again. And then now these people are kind of like, oh, it happened again. What do I do? And it's like I don't. I want to feel bad. But at the same, like I, I feel bad for the homeowners that chose not to sell and chose to keep their land, 
Um, I do feel bad for the business owners who aren't in control and are going to lose the, not only their businesses but their livelihoods because they can't get f- federal funding to replace the restaurant equipment or the bookshelves or anything because there's all the businesses in Montpelier were wiped out. And we're an inland state. I mean, how is this going to play out in California, Oregon, Washington, Cape Cod, Florida, Massachusetts, yeah, New yeah, York, Massachusetts, uh, portions of Connecticut, uh, you know, New Hampshire, Maine. Like, you know, we've talked about uh, seafood and we've talked about, you know, the ocean's effects on the economy. But when the people on the coast no longer have a place, there's that's catastrophic failure. Mm-hmm. Of the economy. Oh, what do you know? It's well, it will be catastrophic failure of economy. But until it's cost effective for those displaced fishermen to be taken care of or to do something about the displaced fishermen, it's meh. We'll go somewhere else. We'll go to we'll right. go to farm fish. We'll go to this. We'll go to that. I mean, right. main communities have been dying off for years already. Okay, so what's the end game here? What's what's the end game? What are we seeing? We're seeing the oil producers literally say it's a bad idea to stop using oil. Yep, they say it's a bad idea. Know... It would hurt the economy too much to not be depend- so dependent on fossil fuels when we, we need to stop now. And... Our governments are talking about baby steps, but that's the thing. They're just talking about baby steps because in our government, we have a lovely party that is blocking every new peace policy that is new, uh, what is it, Green New Deal. Yeah, Project 2025. Which... Oh, God. Oh, Mike, don't get me started on Project we, 2025. I <laughs> I, we could almost do a whole episode on 2025 <laughs> we should do a full episode of the the environmental impact of of, of project 2025 <laughs> and you know anybody that's listening if you have an opinion we do want to hear it uh broken shovel 802 at gmail <laughs> let's let's hear what you think about project 2025 and if you're looking it up for the first time today I want to know your first thoughts. Yes, please. <laughs> so, I re- I do too. Please, please tell us. Not to sully anybody, not to in- invade anybody's thinking here. But, oh boy. Yes. <laughs> yes, I mean, we're, so, we, our government's going the opposite direction it needs to. The, the UN has offered these baby steps that they'd like countries to adopt to reduce their carbon usage by 2020. 2050 but it's like well they're saying global boiling could have could capital c capital o capital u capital l capital d could have catastrophic consequences for the planet it's already having catastrophic consequences we are watching the coral reef literally die off i was i was depressed watching the news this morning because they were talking about this great company that is going out to the reefs and pulling small pieces of the reef off and bringing it to uh, safe safe tanks to kind of cultivate it while we go through this 
warm ocean temperatures and they're then they're, they're in the report they're like yeah we hope to be able to put these back once ocean temperatures go back to normal and it's like oh can't say in, that word but it's in, it's in not the next epoch what yeah exactly that's exactly what it's like that's that that's so optimistic that this is just an anomaly like they, they there's people banking on it being anomaly and it's not these are not anomalies anymore. They were anomalies two years ago, three years ago. Now they are the norm. No, I, I got to disagree. They were anomalies 20 years ago. Okay. 30 years ago. Two or three years ago, these were markers, and we should have been doing this uh, two or three years ago, but we didn't know each other. So Right. Um, <laughs> Live and learn. Yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, but okay. So global boiling, it's it's a sh- it's a lousy term. We know that. We know there isn't marketing for scientists. We have, we, you know, this is something we've covered. We've talked about. There is no yes. marketing for scientists. Uh, they are trying very hard to get people to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And something like go- global boiling should absolutely resonate with every person on the planet but nobody is explaining that as water vapor that water vapor is a greenhouse gas Mm. like you get a a worse sunburn next to the lake or next to the pool than you do in the woods right like water vapor (laughs) it's just so and 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 it's the positive feedback loop yep. uh, that that we're talking about. And by positive, we don't mean good. We mean a feedback loop that feeds itself. Yep. Like uh, the glaciers melting and everyone's, I mean, there, people are hoping that, oh yeah, they're going to, well, it's just going to refreeze again. And it's like, no, no, it's not. No. Like, no, like that requires the temperature to be going the opposite direction it is. No, we've seen every year that the ice shelf that freezes on the northern ice cap has gotten thinner and thinner. Like, there's going to be a point where we actually actively have to worry that Russia can easily come over the top with their boats. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... And, again, the global implications of these things is not fun to think about. No. (laughs) But, you know, all right, so... We are trying to keep this episode kind of short. So, Eric, do you have any kind of final thoughts on uh, global boiling, the heat dome in the south of the United States, uh, anything along these topics? Uh, I mean, things are not looking good, and it is it is hard to be optimistic with how bad things are getting. And the fact that so many people are still just sticking their heads in the sand over all of this, and it's... It's despair. It's discouraging. It's very discouraging. Uh, I am glad to have, uh, you know, you and Lily that, you know, that are so passionate. Uh, you know, we know Lily got busy today. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's really, really encouraging to me to have, uh, other people that are as ex- not excited, just just passionate, about passionate about it, and want smash it out. Get the yeah, get it out there. Get people, get somebody to listen that may have 
that may have scoffed at the global warming before. It's like, hey, come at it from a homesteading angle. Yeah. Well, and, and, and let's really quickly talk about our homesteads and, and how all of this is affecting us right now. Uh, yeah. And then talk about next week's episode. Yeah. So I yet again have standing water in my garden. I I poured my compost tea on there. The corn looks looks a little little there's some ni- nice new leaves that look healthy on there. So I like to think that things are looking good out there with this compost tea. But we'll see. We'll give it, but then today we had no sun and no sun, no grow. No sun, no grow. Um I know you've you've lost your radishes. Yep. Uh, uh you're giving up on gourds. Nope, I'm I'm still holding out hope that the, that I I have a zucchini. It is like three. It's going to be the tiniest zucchini ever. It's only like three <laughs> inches long, and I, it's not going to get any bigger. But it's like with little baby zucchini. I have some cukes. I, I'm actually going to get some cucumbers, and the tomatoes are Amazing. actually sta- they, the tomatoes are starting to look good, but they just need they need sun, and then I have they this need cr- sun. Yeah, and then I have the crazy marigold. That's okay. So, and we talked about this yesterday. Your marigold could do so much for dyeing fabric, for natural yes. fabrics. If you boil that, yeah. uh, if you dry those marigold heads and dry them, you will get the most beautiful yellow you could ever imagine as a fabric dye. Well, actually, uh, more... not. They're not yellow ones. They're um. They're orange. No, orange. And red. No orange. I know. I oh, know. orange marigolds will get you this this very, very, very vibrant yellow. Uh, and as far as I know at this point, because we're still learning fabric dye, uh, is uh, you don't need a mordant. You don't need a, like a stabilizer. You oh. can take a natural fabric like wool or cotton uh, and dye it a very bright yellow just by boiling marigolds. Nice. I will have to – I will yeah. donate some – I've got. I'm gonna have tons. Like this, it, it's not bushy. It's just tall. It is almost three feet tall. I have but you're, never. Are you getting a lot of flowers? On the little this one's this one has yet to put off a single flower. It's got heads. Yeah, I've gotten like two or three. I've got so many uh, marigold heads, but no flowers. But the other, my other, my shorties, my shorties are all bloom, blooming great. I've got tons of blooms on those. But well, these look, tall if you're ones. Not looking to dye fabric, I will trade you something. Yeah, uh, I'll go. I'll, if I wasn't in, in, <laughs> as they do, at, like, we're, we're, when are they good? Because I don't want to take them all off because that is also one of my deer deterrents. Yes, so uh, you do want to get them at like maximum bloom, but don't do it unless you have other blooms coming in. Yes, I definitely have other blooms coming in. There are like layer. There's like the little ones are so bushy, and there's just like layers of them. I just like I'll just head them head them off and. Yeah, More and will come help. in. Deadheading them will absolutely help. Oh yes, absolutely. So. Awesome. But yeah, that's uh, my homestead. That's Compost that's tea. it. Compost tea. Giving up on some plants. Some plants are coming back and looking better. <laughs> and yeah, that's my homestead right now. Yeah, uh, we're doing okay, I guess. Like, I'm I'm really worried about the sun. Uh, because the tomatoes keep getting bigger, and we keep getting rain. And if they just split open, there's no point to them. Uh, so I, I have taken, you know, for winter planning, uh, which is very important here in Vermont, 
Uh, I have made a deal with a local farm stand to get a large quantity of tomatoes for a low price. They're high acid, so even if I do get good tomatoes this year, it's going to be okay. Uh, yeah. They're, they're going to keep for an extra year. Um, but mostly, it's the farmer's market. Meg and I, as as the Broken Shovel Homestead, had our first farmer's market this week Yay. in uh, Chelsea, Vermont, and it was awesome. Uh, the hot sauces sold really well. Uh, the maple chipotle outsold the uh, Thai chili lime uh, for, you know, obvious reasons, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Meg's brooms, I couldn't believe it. People could not get enough of Meg and, and like, her brooms. And we're going to be at Chelsea for the rest of the month, every Friday, three to six. And uh, hopefully, you know, expanding to to more next year but uh yeah it's uh we're we're getting green beans i think i, I harvested like five pounds of green beans Jeez, and it's just been uh you know a really lucky year for us considering uh what a lot of other people are going through with floods and stuff and yeah. uh you know obviously i'm bummed about your stuff eric but hey at least i didn't get I, flooded well, and at least you know somebody that's going to just give you a bunch of stuff. Oh, yes. Yes, I am getting a bunch of tomatoes from my sister. I, my sister keeps offering me more zucchinis because her zucchinis are doing well. Like, I saw her garden on on Sunday, and I'm just like, I'm jealous because it is her first year in these these beds that used to be raised beds, but they pulled the wood off of it, so they're just kind of like mounds of dirt that, they, that she borrowed my tiller to till up and her gar it looks amazing i'm just like <laughs> i hate i hate you right now i'm taking plants from you i hate you like mammoth <laughs> sunflowers are probably almost six feet tall now that's crazy they're huge like i'm just like how like mine are struggling like a deer ate the head of mine which is actually it's amazing they uh it the deer ate the head of mine but then they it put off um it's putting off uh shoots fantastic Yes, yeah, so I'm going to have a multi-headed. It's not going to be a mammoth like it should be, but it's going to be a bit. It's hopefully going to be a nice big guy. That seems like a seed to stay save, Eric. Yes, that one will be a seed to save. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, so kind of rounding the corner here. Um, what are we talking about next week? We're going to talk about the canary in the coal mine and what I like to refer as the fifth great extinction event. Yeah, uh, the the uh, bugs yep. and what we're seeing from insects, arachnids, uh, and and how these are the canary in the coal mine for uh, the fifth extinction event. Mm-hmm. Yep, I came. In, it has a name. Yeah, and it has a name. I'll have the name for us next next week next okay. week because it does have an actual name. Like I'm not just like being. Oh, it's a fifth great extinction event. No, like this is actually like. Scientific community has said that no, we are in the great, the fifth great extinction event that our globe has seen since the we were a molten rock. Well, and we do our best not to talk about things that are not like peer-reviewed scientists. Yes, science. We are not scientists, mm-hmm. so we rely on scientists. Yes, and that is uh, that is peer that is a peer-reviewed term. And I will get the actual <laughs> what they refer what they call it cuz they have a nice big long scientific name for it. I am so excited for long scientific names. I know. Uh, Isn't everybody? 
<laughs> well, uh, this has been a fast and furious episode. Uh, I think you're probably as hungry as I am, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna step aside. We'll be back next week with uh, an episode I'm calling a Bug's Life. Uh, and but this has been Global Boiling. If you have something to say about this, please reach out. Uh, broken shovel eight zero two at gmail. Uh, I'm I'm on uh, what's it called TikTok. TikTok and yes, we always go look at what Lucas's TikTok. <laughs> uh, you know, and I am one follower away from doing live tutorials. By the way, Broken Shovel Ooh. Farm. Uh, so they so any minute now, I will be doing live tutorials on the Broken Shovel TikTok. Nice. Nice. Uh, I think the next thing Meg and I are doing is making pineapple vinegar and citrus vinegar, which isn't exactly local, but we just learned how to make vinegars from fruit. Yeah, nice. Very nice. All right. Eric, you got anything you want to say before we uh, sign off here? Nope. Sayonara. Learn to swim, everybody. (laughs) 